Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world. In the light of Sola Scriptura and Tota Scriptura, I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com, and also make sure you join in the discussion on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. It takes five minutes to say that name. Thanks, John. On Facebook, uh, John is out of town visiting family, it being the week of Thanksgiving and such, but I am still joined in person by... This is Bradley Cox, husband of one wife. <laughs> Father of two children. Trying so hard. Fan of Clemson football. Yes, very much. Pastor in Greer, South Carolina. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) uh, As much as I would love for you to actually have a proper, like, good title like John has, you know, resident church nerd, Westminster effects artist, uh, you know, grumpy Augsburgian Christian and whatever, it's also just fun to hear you stumble over it. I'm just not that clever. I'm not as clever as John. Um, so, so what did we do in church this week? Uh, I had the week off. You seem uh, like you keep having weeks off. I'm it, like, what in the world? Yeah, I mean, we've we've gotten in the in the worship council as as we call ourselves here at Res. Uh, we've we've kind of made it a point to give everybody a week off every mm. month. Where where before, like there was one point a couple of years ago where I think I played four or five months of Sundays in a row. Yeah, that's true. And I was like, I don't mind. Let's go for it. And then things got a little busier and it was like, oh, maybe this is a good idea. That's why it feels so weird when you're not up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was, it was a good Sunday. I mean, we, um, uh, worship was, I hate to use the word normal. Um, yeah. I mean, it was good. It was yeah, good. They did do a good job. They did a good job, and I had um, nothing to do with it. <laughs> but it 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 was uh, I, I enjoyed the song selections. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm a big fan of that song. Is he worthy? Yes, um, he is. He is worthy. And but I I really enjoy that song every time we do it. And uh, you know we taught from Romans 14. Yep. And last uh, chunk and just grazed on Romans 15. Yep, yep, yep. Finished with verse one of chapter 15. And um, that was a good day. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, And and I can't even tell anybody what went wrong because I don't don't know what went wrong because I wasn't. No, it was it was good. Everything went really smoothly. I did dishes in the morning. Had so much extra time. Yeah, it was weird. My day, my day seemed rather full though. We had a our elders meet for prayer on the fourth Sundays before church. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we met and prayed. Um, We've also been doing Volunteer Appreciation Month. Um, Yep, we have a volunteer. We call it Volunteer Rally before every Sunday service. Uh, so I was involved in one part of the service where I stood up for that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. You're, you're on the trustees now. We appreciated our trustees and our elders. And so the elders met for prayer. We had a volunteer rally. We brought coffee and donuts in for them. Um, and that was, it was a really good rally. Was it? Uh, yeah. I, d- I just talked about, um, you know, there's a famous Leonard Ravenhill quote. I don't know if you know who Leonard yeah, Ravenhill yeah, is. Yeah, the old revival preacher. The old right? revival preacher. 
He said, um, the opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Um, which, very clever. Which is very clever. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I like about that statement is that I can, I think I can root it in Scripture. Um, yeah. The Scripture that comes to mind is Ephesians chapter 5. And Paul says that um, we need to make the best use of the time mm-hmm. in these evil days. Yep. You know, we have a, the sense there is there, there's, Life is short, you know. Paul mm-hmm. talks about that in a number of different ways yeah. in his and, letters, and, and that we were created for good works prepared beforehand, beforehand, uh, within this light and momentary affliction. Yep, yep. Um, but he says, make the best use of the time in these evil days. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And mm-hmm. and people hear that phrase, filled with the Spirit, and all kinds of crazy ideas come up. Um, you know, it, it, and I shouldn't say crazy because not all of them are crazy, but some of them are. Some of them are, and and some people are scared of that. Yeah, you know, I've had I've had conversations with um, other believers that just don't even know what to do with that phrase in Scripture. What does it mean to be? That's the command, right? Is right. be filled with the Spirit. Right. What does that I, mean? I think, I think some of that fear is is largely from the abuse. Mm-hmm. Of of some circles who will try and correlate drunkenness with acting drunk by being filled, which is so ludicrous because yeah. it like th- you here, can't get that exegetically. And here's the magic of just keep reading. Yeah, like when you see something like that and you go, "Be filled with the Spirit." What in the world does that mean? Well, if you just keep reading, mm-hmm. Paul gives you a taste of yep. what that might look like. Yeah, that He's, whole fruit of the spirit involving self control. <laughs> Well, what he says in Ephesians is, after the command, be filled with the Spirit, he goes on and says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yep, yep. Making music and melody in your heart. And then he says this, and giving thanks to God. Right. So I'm not saying that being filled with the Spirit isn't more than this, but it's certainly not less than this. Right. Is that we have a tremendous amount of gratitude to God for everything as believers. And yeah. This is yeah. Thanksgiving week. I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but should be Friday, Saturday. Okay. So it'll drop on Thanksgiving weekend. So, so maybe people are listening to this while they're fighting traffic on black Friday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I just talked with our volunteers in the rally about depending on the spirit for gratitude, hmm. like being filled with the spirit yep. And asking him specifically, I think we can pray and ask him specifically, help me be grateful. Help me yeah. be thankful for to God for everything uh, mm-hmm. in my life, for my brothers and sisters, the people I'm serving with, for my church, all of that. I mean, the Spirit wants to help us be thankful. And so, I, I don't know, I, I, I thought the volunteer rally um, was really powerful when we talked about that. And I just gave people, like like... A lot of us will do around the dinner tables this week mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving. I said, just give thanks. What are you thankful for? And we we all just paused for a minute and whispered a prayer individually, privately to the Holy Spirit. Help me be grateful. And then I just opened it up, and people just began to say, "I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for." And it was it was powerful. Very cool. Very cool. And we're I guess we could just jump into our topic since. Uh, we were talking Romans 14, last mm-hmm. chunk of it, yep. uh, not passing judgment, uh, particularly with opinions or maybe gray areas, yep. stuff like that, um, and just kind of talk a little bit about Christian liberty, mm-hmm. um, the difference between liberty and license, mm-hmm. um, 
the difference between, uh, as you put it yesterday, legalism and antinomianism and how they're both the same side of the same heretical coin, I think was the phrase you used, Yep. Uh, which, you know, people people don't often recognize we we do recognize uh, in american christianity that legalism is you know that is heretical mm-hmm. um but we often miss the fact that antinomianism really is the same thing it really is uh where it's it's you know the law doesn't matter god's right. god's <laughs> regulations for human flourishing mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world that he created like how would they not matter <laughs> Right. <laughs> if if this is God's world, right? <laughs> right. Um, where and, and that's really the the biggest trend in American Christianity, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Whether you want to talk talk about uh, uh, maybe Protestant liberalism mm-hmm. or or even you know a lot of your regular old evangelical circles, where it's unhitching and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, how do we strike that balance in Christian liberty of of not beating people over the head when we're convicted about something mm-hmm. about not trying to drag people into our own convictions, um, whether it's, we feel free or not, mm. you know, there, there's just a whole lot there and, and you could even bring it into the worship world of, do we have an entire band? Do we have one dude with a guitar? Do we have an electric guitar? Yeah. Do we have drums, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like it literally can go on forever. Right. Oh man, it can. Um, well, one thing I would say is, you know, people can go to the Rest Faith podcast and listen to the message I preached yeah. um, yesterday, which will. I'm You're sure, not doing it verbatim right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to do it verbatim. Um, so, if you want more detail, you can go listen to that message, which will probably drop this week sometime. Um, let's maybe talk first about. This was the first point of my message is how do I judge myself? Yes. When it comes to my convictions or my liberties, um, how do I keep myself in check? What borders do I want to put around both my convictions and my liberties? Because Mm -hmm. here's the truth is that, uh, and this was my first point, while many things are not inherently sinful, anything could become sin for me. Right, even my convictions. Right. If my if my convictions or my abstaining from certain things is done out of a an effort towards self righteousness, that's mm-hmm. sin, and that's legalism. That's really what legalism is: is it's an attempt at self righteousness right. by adhering to moral laws and disciplines and what have you. And so, how do I keep myself in check, not only with my liberties, mm-hmm. but also with my convictions? And I think Paul gives the answer in verse five and six of chapter fourteen, where he says. One person esteems one day as better than another, and I think there the primary emphasis would be on the day of worship, mm-hmm. the Lord's day. Yeah, well, um, we, we had a little conversation about that yesterday. I've always read that as holidays, Christmas, Easter, or back then it would have been more of an emphasis in the very early church on stuff like Passover, right? Absolutely. If it was pertaining to holidays, which I'm sure you could make that application pretty easily. And and I'm not I wouldn't even say that Paul doesn't have that in mind. Sure. But I think I think the primary emphasis is on the Lord's day. Um so one person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one, I think this is huge, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Mm-hmm. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. So the one who says, 
I'm, I've, I've got to worship on this day, or mm-hmm. this, is, this is what I believe should happen, does it in honor of the Lord? The one who eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So, and, and then you read the end of the chapter where Paul makes the statement that, um, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because mm-hmm. the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That's so, a huge sentence right there. Huge sentence because if I, for me to sum that up, I would say, in all my partaking, uh, abstaining, and esteeming, um, what governs my own heart and life in terms of my convictions and liberties is faith and worship. Yep. The one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord. The one who partakes. A, partakes in honor of the Lord. And mm-hmm. whatever whatever we do must proceed from faith, dependence on God, and must be in honor of the Lord. So it's 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 the theme there to me is worship and faith. That's right. what governs my convictions and my liberties. That's what helps me determine what I might should abstain from and what I might should partake in. Because, you know, abstaining for I don't think anybody would call John Piper a legalist. I think I've heard a couple people. Maybe some would. Correction. I've heard people call him a pietist. He might be. Yeah. I mean, there might be some of that there. But I know for I know that he doesn't have a TV in his house. Right. But but he's not telling other people you should not have a TV. He's in your not. House. He doesn't say that. I think for him, it's a matter of conviction. It's mm-hmm. a matter of faith, and it's a, it's a part of his worship. He wants his focus on Christ. That's his primary focus that's his joy and for him watching tv or having a tv in his house he might not be able to do that in faith right and therefore for him it would be sin i gave the example of my grandfather who was one of the most godly men i've ever known in my life Mm -hmm. loved jesus it just oozed out of him um but he could not stomach going to a movie Mm -hmm. he just couldn't do it and i don't think that that was because he thought he was more pious or he was more righteous than those who maybe did. Right. Um, He struggled to get his mind around other people doing that at times. Mm -hmm. But I think for him, it was really just about he couldn't do that in faith. So there there was no need for that to be a part of his life. Yeah. That story that you told about going to the Braves game was pretty great, too. Oh, my goodness. So I'll tell the folks. So we... This was many years ago. My dad and I took him to a Braves game, and you know he comes from a little tiny town in the lower part of South Carolina called Pamplico. Um, it's outside of Florence, for those that might have some knowledge of South Carolina. Um, but he'd never really been out of that town mm-hmm. or that little area much at all. And so we were pulling into Atlanta, and he laid eyes on Spaghetti Junction <laughs> for the first time. And he said something to the effect of, Oh my Lord. You know, like he just could not believe, he could not imagine <laughs> this interstate stacked on top of itself yeah. and bridges going everywhere. And then we get to the Braves game and, you know, the, 
<laughs> the guys are walking up. Now, was yeah. this was this Turner or was this this was Turner Fulton Field? Okay. Yeah, yeah, this was Turner Field, which um, Turner Field felt pretty cavernous, like it was a big baseball stadium. Big baseball stadium. The guys are walking up and down the aisles, shouting cold beer, <laughs> and we're kind of sitting in the middle of a row, and so um, beer is being passed right <laughs> back and forth, and and we're we're having to help. <laughs> Pass beer down, and my grandfather was a teetotaler. He just he could not get his mind around that being a part of his life. And so, I I remember we were sitting there, and at some point, he whispered a prayer: "God, if you get me out of here, I'll never come back." (laughs) (laughs) So we never took him to another Braves game. But that was the most. You know, we were trying to do something fun with him, and and um. You know, my dad's a big sports fan. Mm-hmm. My grandfather could take or leave sports, but it was supposed to be this, you know, you know, grandfather, father, son time together, <laughs> and he had a miserable experience, really, because of his just his convictions. Yeah. And um, so anyway, Paul. But you, talk, got, but you got a good story out of it. <laughs> we got a great story out of it, and Paul talks about not. You know, so in this case, if there's obvious, there was obvious things that my dad and I felt liberty in that my grandfather did not. Yeah. Um, and and Paul's instruction in Romans 14 is not to despise. Mm-hmm. You know that to me, when he says judging, that judgment seems to be passed from the one who has convictions towards the one who has liberties. Right. Despising seems to be passed from the one who has liberties to the one who has convictions. Mm -hmm. And I think despising is the word there literally means to hold in contempt. Yeah. So if I were to despise my grandfather's convictions, I would look at him and say, those convictions are worthless and pointless. And therefore, I would be criticizing his worship. Right. I would be criticizing his faith and looking down upon it. Yeah, I've run into that in the uh, in the music scene. Uh, there were a couple of Christian venues that we used to play pretty often in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of talk of, of, of what those bands of, you know, ripping on the quote-unquote legalists who had a problem with metal. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they just have a different conviction than you, and maybe you should be patient with them. You should. Maybe you shouldn't just rail and be like, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> Call them a Pharisee or whatever. Right. Uh, but people don't understand actually how serious the charge of pharisaism really is right um but it's like how about you you know lower the temperature a little bit (laughs) and and actually have a real conversation about it and not even necessarily um trying to win the argument or even win them to your position but understand each other better right exactly and and you know we i think we first need to keep in mind you mentioned this uh, What's going on in Romans 14 is is a discussion about debatable things. That's mm-hmm. what that word opinions means in verse 1. Is right. We're not talking about morally black and white issues. We're mm-hmm. talking about the gray middle. And so whereas the pro-metal people mm-hmm. should not look down on and deem worthless the convictions of the anti-metal people, yep. Yep. the anti-metal people should not look the other direction and judge, which that word means to judicially set apart. Right. So if I were to judge someone who has liberty in something I feel convicted about, I would look at them and say, there's Mm -hmm. no way that you could do that in faith or in a spirit of worship because I can't. 
Right. That's the determining factor. I can't, so you can't. Mm-hmm. And and that Paul would say, I think is is there, there's sin on both ways there in the despising and judging. Yep. There's sin on both ways. And I said this on Sunday. His instruction in both of those is really pretty simple. Just stop it. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> there's no stop there's no need and there's no room for us to be despising and judging one another on matters of opinion. Yep. There's just no and, and I think it would do us well to realize that there there is a gray middle. Um anything could be sin for us. And there's just no place in the body of Christ for judging and despising. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just it's just going to make the open the door wide for division and strife, which is exactly what Paul wants to discourage the church from. Yeah, you also made uh, a, a point of, um, you know, your convictions now may shift for that exactly. gray middle. Um, I actually went through that with mm-hmm. with alcohol, where I like. I've never thought that alcohol in and of itself was wrong, mm-hmm. but I also know myself, and you know this, if I get into something, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I You're into headlong it. into it. Right. And uh, so I actually didn't knowingly, I had claimed, so the whole straight edge punk thing, you know, you don't drink, don't do drugs, whatever. Like I was claiming straight edge in high school and whatever, and my mom was cooking uh, beer bread, and my dad came in with a l- little bit in a cup mm-hmm. to make sure <laughs> that I hadn't acquired a taste because yeah. beer is an acquired taste. Yeah. And I like I almost threw up, and it was yeah. just so gross and whatever. Yeah. He's like, all right, I was just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like I I didn't knowingly drink anything until after I got married, right? And it was like, well, I have this extra accountability built in. So if I'm getting a little overboard, you know. Maybe the wife can slap me around a little bit, <laughs> make you know, kind of be that guardrail system for sure. me. And now, you know, like things like Oktoberfest <laughs> or Hems and Hops, mm-hmm. um, like those can be received in faith, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and you know, I think it would also do us well to acknowledge that within in the gray middle, mm-hmm. there are some things that are questionable that require a greater level of responsibility yeah yeah than others mm-hmm. you know if you take like alcohol and caffeine for example mm-hmm. i mean caffeine could become a sin yeah we might say that the risk is lower right um of you know too much dependence or or whatever i mean it it just we could say the risk is lower than it is with alcohol mm-hmm. you know but it, alcohol is one of those things we 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 are in the South, we're in the you know we're in the buckle of the Bible Belt, yep. and so there's there perhaps there's more tension about the issue of alcohol in our you know geographical region than there might be with some of our listeners. Yep, absolutely. Um, but it it's still it's one of those things where you don't have to diminish the potential dangers of alcohol. Oh, in absolutely. order to yeah. have an honest conversation about the fact that some Christians feel liberty in that and some don't. And I think Paul's point would be, you know, A, don't judge and despise each other. And then B, when there's tension about it, when you're gathered with other believers, default to abstaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it because the kingdom, I think this is a key verse in the chapter, the kingdom's not a matter of eating and drinking. In other mm-hmm. words, it doesn't matter. Alcohol's not important enough to right. compromise our unity. And so 
the person who might feel more liberty with that mm-hmm. should default to the conscience of those who feel greater convictions right. when we're together. Right. If everybody's in agreement and can partake in faith and in a spirit of worship, mm-hmm. then I would say go for it. Yeah. But if it's if it if there's even a, a slight question about it, mm-hmm. I think I would argue from from Romans fourteen that it's best to abstain and def- and default to prioritizing the conscience of right. those who have convictions about those. Things. Yeah, I think I think in you know, all of my thirty two years. In terms of get-togethers, I don't think there's ever been any kind of opposition to, hey, does anybody want a beer or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there have been you know, a couple of instances where we've had dinner with someone who had previously struggled with alcohol addiction, mm-hmm. so we're not going to offer them anything. Right. I mean, <laughs> like that, that's, you want to say it's common sense, but it's not so common these days. <laughs> well, I don't know. It, 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 it should be common sense, right. and I think that... Um, I think we don't in the church do well talking about these things. Like I, I, I talked about alcohol on Sunday because I wanted to just drag the elephant into the room, Yeah, which may, may not be an elephant in the room for other people. But I think in our context, it, it is in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to say, look, we, I don't like it when I see Christians flaunting their Liberty Mm and such things. Right. And at the same time, I don't like, when I see Christians um, sort of lauding their abstinence right. with right. that in in a self righteous spirit, yep, I think both are harmful to the church mm-hmm. uh, because I do think alcohol is a debatable matter. It's an opinion. It's, right. it, there's no way to make a strong case that it's sin in and of itself from Scripture. Right? Uh, Drunkenness mean, might be is, is black and white. Right. But not moderate. Well, when, it, when it outright says things like wine being a gift, and then when God is pronouncing judgment, and he's like, look, you're not going to have any of these beverages. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you will that's have right. no beverages. That's right. And that's that is, right. And that's God's judgment. Like, whoa. That's, I had yeah. a, there, there's a lady that comes to our church sometimes. Um, she's an older lady who grew up in a very fundamentalist holiness-type tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally she has come and talked with me because she still at this late stage of life finds herself tied up in knots Oh yeah, over debatable things about whether or not she could wear makeup or fix her hair mm. or what have you. And, um, I mean, that, that kind of stuff when it takes root, like it's, it's hard to kick. And, and she's so sweet about it because she's not judging other people. Right. I've never even got a hint of that from her, but she's literally like, I just don't know what to do with myself. And so we've walked mm-hmm. through scripture together and we've talked about everything from drinking Pepsi to uh, fixing her hair, mm-hmm. all these kinds of things. Um, and, and I brought it up because I was trying to help her see the whole picture. I said, you know, even alcohol. Mm-hmm. And after we talked about it for a while, she made this statement. She's like, okay, I think I understand it now. These are the things that I feel liberty in, mm-hmm. and these are the things that I don't. She said, I'm going to wait to have my first drink of alcohol in heaven. I can get on board with that. And I thought, <laughs> I, when she said that, I almost just stopped, and my mouth was gaped open for a minute, because I thought, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah. Because it wasn't said like, I think alcohol is, you know, 
destroying everything and sending people to hell and blah, blah, blah. It was just that, you know what? For me, I'm going to wait mm-hmm. because on this side of eternity, I can't fit that in my faith. Mm-hmm. I can't fit that in my life with Christ. But I, I realized that it might be something that then when this temporary tent is done away with, yeah. I'll be able to enjoy yeah. with God and worship. And I just thought that was one of the most beautiful statements I've ever heard from literally the smoothest bourbon on the point ever <laughs> in heaven, right I don't see bourbon in scripture but I do see wine but I don't I don't know about the bourbon we'll see, we'll see. yeah uh, shall we move on to the inquisition sure it's good to be Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform and check out all7days.com. All right, Brad Speed, this is a fun one. Worst ministry acronym or name you've ever encountered? I have my answer right now. Go ahead. In Welford, there is a funeral home called Living Waters Funeral Home. (laughs) (laughs) Seth, what were you thinking? Are you trying to rub it in? my goodness like, I, I understand i understand like <laughs> fountains of living waters and all that kind of stuff but for real for a funeral oh, home goodness come on man uh, but, i've got one but it's a little too close to here and i don't know if somebody <laughs> might hear it <laughs> oh or, or do you just go for it oh man it's the place you used to go to church oh yeah i don't think he's gonna listen to it so it was called potential church Okay, you said it. I didn't. So it wasn't really a church. It was just potentially, potentially a church. church. Yeah. Just potentially. Yeah, and they they actually. Uh, I get what they're doing with that. And, and so they don't. If, they actually don't exist anymore. They merged with another church. And oh, so, so we and can talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. So it's no longer potential. But um, their pastor actually had some questions raised by the legal team from a potential church in Florida. So they weren't the first one. Wow. <laughs> so there have been at least two potential churches in America. Yeah, this century. So, well, that uh, I don't know. That's not as good as yours. Living Waters Funeral Home. That's like, wow. yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's almost like a David Crowder meme. If you follow yes. him on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. he is hilarious yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, uh, Jared Hartley. Touch on why the Christmas season is so stressful for worship musicians and what we can do about it as both musicians and Christians. That's a great question. Great question. We I mean, we we want to. You know, as cynical as it may sound, we want to put on a quote-unquote good show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it being Christmas, of course, there are songs that are, uh, up, you know, we're celebrating the incarnation. I think the incarnation can be celebrated whenever you want. <laughs> you know, why shouldn't we sing certain songs at mm-hmm. other points in the year, which you've shot down in January before? <laughs> Have I? Yeah. 
Yeah, I tried to put in something really Christmassy, and you were like, no, that's not going to happen right now. <laughs> it's like a year I ago. I plead the fifth on that. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. But I, but I think it's it's one, we're learning a bunch of stuff that we don't normally play. That's one thing I was going to uh, say. Yeah. And then two, we just have these greater expectations for this time of year, right? I, I've, you know, if I'm honest, um, I've never been a fan of a lot of pageantry and program type stuff at Christmas uh, or Easter for that matter. I, I, I think the, I'm not despising churches that do that. I think that's fine. If that's, right. if that's your rhythm and that's what your people want to do and they get excited about it. Great. I, just for me, it has felt like my own experience, a lot of work with very little return. Yeah. As far as like the, you know, plays and pageants and musicals. I mean, I've done it. Believe me, yeah. I have done yeah. it. I've put on major, the first church I was at, I put on major musicals mm-hmm. um, and hired musicians and brought them in and we, you know, decorated everything. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, How much but, of that do you think is rooted in, we're going to put on this thing and a bunch of, bunch of people are going to come to Jesus and join the church? I think that's the thought, right? Yeah. I and mean, that's the... That's that's the ethos that drives a lot of it. I just I don't really see that return. You yeah, know? I, I think what ends up happening in a lot of those things is that grandmas and uncles and aunts and cousins come to see this program that's been put on, and that's not bad. I mean, it's not wrong for believers to come together and enjoy some pageantry, telling the retelling mm-hmm. of the story. I mean, I think I could get on board with that biblically, right? right. But when the ethos was, we're going to put this on and bring a lot of unbelievers in and get them saved, mm-hmm. and I didn't see that. It yeah. just felt like we're doing a lot of work for very little return, and what the church really needs to do is, is I'm, I'm okay with a church calendar that has emphases. Yeah. And so when I come to the Christmas season to Advent and, and we emphasize the incarnation in our gathering, then that to me is fundamentally what should we, we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And based on the resources of your church, I think you got to decide, you know, what's a good use of your time and effort and energy in that regard. Awesome. Uh, Brian Morris, <laughs> the every week contributor just about. Uh, why does it seem like worship musicians are some of the least discerning cr- Christians, or is that just gear talk, praise and worship, and worship guitar sounds? Whew. Brian is throwing fireballs at people. Um, but, I mean, I, I kind of see this as an issue as... Typically, we've talked about it before, musicians tend to be a little more right-brained, uh, generally speaking, at least, mm-hmm. you know, being more artsy types. And so they typically want to feel, you know, yep. they're, they're not typically wired uh, for analysis and, you know, getting into doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's something where, you know, th- things need to be corrected, uh, but it's going to take a whole lot of patience, I think, because they're not, they haven't been trained to think that way you know um <clears throat> growing up and and people know my background you know they know i grew up in a pentecostal charismatic vibe um there was this thought that if if a service took place and things got worked up mm-hmm. so good that the pastor did not have an opportunity to preach that was called a really good service. Mm-hmm. I mean, even to this day, I mean, just kind of opening up my closet here. My grandmother, mm-hmm. who goes to a Pentecostal church, um, 
I, it's not uncommon for her to say, you know, uh, I'll ask her, well, how are things going at your church? Oh, it's been good. You know, the pastor didn't even get to preach last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And why didn't he get to preach? Well, they got to singing. Yeah. They got to worshiping, and yep. maybe there was an altar call, and people started come to the altar for prayer, and people were being prayed for, what have you. And so they never got to the sermon, and that is is considered good. And I my thing about that is, well, no, not necessarily. Right. Because the, you know, those that kind of thinking could give rise to this notion that worship and the word are juxtaposed. Yep. yep. Maybe you see a lot of that in some of the bigger worship band origins, right? Yeah, there almost becomes this sort of territory for musical worship and then this territory for the sermon, mm-hmm. and there's fences built around both. When yep. I'm, I'm a big fan of what Piper talks about is that the, the preached word is expository exaltation. So it's, right. I, that, that was a game changer for me when he I heard him say that the first time is that as a worship leader, I get to lead worship when I preach. I get right. to lead worship when I teach. And so those two things not working against each other but working together, mm-hmm. I think is crucial to our worship leaders and teams not being the least discerning people in church leadership, right. you know, the least concerned with doctrine. And um, Because honest, honestly, like, if we're... You know, our our songs teach people, which means that they need to be accurate, which means that musicians should actually probably be more discerning since there's so many worship songs out there. Yes. Is like we, we need to be able to be like, all right, this lyric is is almost right. Here's how we can tweak it. Or this these lyrics are just garbage and we don't need to touch that song at all. Yeah. I think you need somebody in your like I would say this now. Um, you need somebody on your worship team, a leader that is bent to think that way. Yeah, yeah. I think the the body of Christ. This is a bigger theological discussion, but I'll just say this one thing: is I think the body of Christ is designed by God in such a way that everyone has a spiritual gift. Everyone has a a bent towards something where the spirit works in that individual in a way that's meant to benefit the whole. Right. And I think right. on our team, God's given us you, Cody. Boy, howdy. Uh, to, <laughs> to, for that purpose. Because sure. you, you, you not only are gifted in reading and discerning scripture, but you have a real joy and love for that, that yes, I want every believer to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's part of your spiritual DNA, and mm-hmm. I think that is a great asset to our church and to our worship team because you you are the one who is paying close attention, and sometimes you need Mary, my wife, or Zeke, mm-hmm. or me mm-hmm. to come alongside and say, "Okay, Cody, you're getting too tied up in knots. Right. You need that balance. Right? Yep. Right? You're you're getting too critical, mm-hmm. um, but yet we need you to to keep us." Yeah, focused yep. as a church and paying attention that hey, this right here, that's that's mushy, right? And we don't need to to sing it that song, or we don't at least don't need to sing it that way because that's going to promote something that's mm-hmm. mushy. And we want our people deeper and more rooted than that, right? So. And and we we have changed lyrics before, and they seem to be received well when when that's changed. I don't. A lot of times, I think people may not even notice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, 
Good question. We'll uh, we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep this one anonymous. Uh, but if you really want to see who asked it, you can go on to the uh, Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Uh, tips on <laughs> tips on graciously telling a senior pastor that his idea is terrible, and you have no desire to pursue that idea along <laughs> with him. Hypothetically, asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I would say ask start with asking clarifying questions, right? Cuz even uh like even though it wasn't me disagreeing with you with the Romans 14 sermon, it was, "Hey, I've always read this this way. Is this something that I've missed?" Mm-hmm. Um so ask questions. Uh don't be a douchebag. <laughs> exactly. If we can say that on air. Yeah, it, it's my podcast. It's okay. Yeah. We can say. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> I think ask questions. Um, you know, when I was in the first church I worked in, um, I I was brought there. I was right out of college. Um, was steeped in what at the time was, I, I guess you might call the beginnings of the modern worship movement. Mm-hmm. Kind of a movement away from traditional hymns, um, and the church was pastored by a relatively young pastor, and he wanted to move the church more in that direction. At least mm-hmm. that's what he said. Uh, so I was brought on to kind of help with that because I'm a young guy, and I can bring that vibe. And And what, what happened, what we quickly realized is that there was a lot of pushback from that, yep. and the pastor wanted to start a traditional worship service at 8.30 in the morning, followed by a blended whatever service afterwards. Oh, boy. And I thought for that church, that mm-hmm. was a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think there were long-term repercussions from that. Um, but the reason I thought it was a terrible idea for that church, I'm not saying it would be the true for every church, but for that church was that there was too much tension and territorialness and strife yeah. over those yep. things to create that kind of division of services in order to appease groups of people. I just felt like that appeasement mm-hmm. was going to give rise to more strife and more division and i think that was proven to be true and so i thought it was a bad idea and i just simply went to him and said it's a bad idea right and that made him defensive and Mm -hmm. it didn't though sometimes that's needed sometimes that is needed but i think in that case especially given my age and my lack of maturity and discernment Mm Um, it would have been better to do what you're saying, which is go and just ask questions. You know, help me understand how we're going to avoid this. Help me understand why you feel this is necessary. I think you got to ask questions and ultimately submit because <clears throat> at the end of the day, I think it's better as long as we're not violating scripture, as long as we're not um, getting heretical. We're talking about matters of opinion again. Right. right. I think it's better to submit and support. Um, as long as the the important things doctrinally and culturally are not being compromised, I think it's better to submit. Now, if we're talking about something that could be detrimental, right? then I think that raises bigger questions and um, might require a different approach. But if it's a matter of opinion, I agree with you. Yeah, there and there's there's times where sometimes you just need to 
you know, obviously if it's not detrimental, heretical, whatever, sometimes you just need to let a bad idea crash and burn, right? Exactly. And then and then come along with a solution later, obviously, gracefully. <laughs> but like uh, I think of uh, with our life group, Keith, our other pastor on staff here at Res, has allowed us to, you know, try out different ideas and let us fail. <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes people just don't even know what failure feels like. So yeah. sometimes we'll have ideas and they'll crash and burn. And then we learn from that, right? I think I think we take ourselves far too seriously uh, sometimes. And it, you know, I heard, uh, you know, some people may or may not like Craig Rochelle, um, which is fine. Such a mixed bag for me, at least. His, I, I his would book, say his book, The Christian Atheist, was really helpful for me. Yeah, I, I would say it's true for me too, mixed bag. But one of the things I heard him say, and on his leadership podcast, which I thought was so true, is that if someone can do something, and he was really talking about a leader delegating things. So this is not an apples to apples comparison with the question. But mm-hmm. if somebody can do something fifty percent as well as you, you're better off to delegate it. Hmm. Because it it you, you got to make room for people to try. You know, yeah. I yeah. have to make room for my children. You know, last night we brought the Christmas tree home, and I let it's my not even Thanksgiving yet. No, but <laughs> another story. I let my son get his pocket knife out and just shave off. Uh, about a half an inch worth of bark around the bottom of the tree because mm-hmm. the tree will soak up the right. water better if you do that. And so he struggled with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he did some swipes really good and yep. others he didn't. Yep. There was a couple of times I had to stop him because I thought he might stab himself. But it's just, <laughs> you know, there there's a level of failure I'm not going to let him right. experience right. there. But at the same time, letting him learn and struggle is important. It's And, and I think... It, it's it's not wrong to try things if we're if we're not talking about something heretical or detrimental. You know, raise some questions, and then if if your pastor is adamant about it, let it go. It might work. Mm-hmm. It might not. Yep. And if it doesn't, then you can you can be a positive contributor in the solution to what failed. Right. Uh, as opposed to if you are extremely negative about it on the front end, you might compromise your influence. Right. Right. Sweet. Uh, I guess we'll leave it there then because we literally don't have any more Inquisition questions. <laughs> Fair enough? Fair enough. All right. So follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes. I don't care if it's honest. Just give us five stars. You can be as critical as you want. It's happened before, and it's actually pretty funny. Uh, support the show at anchor.fm, and you can donate money. Help us improve. If you've pledged to donate $10 a month for a year, you get your choice of a Piper Drive version 2 or a Wickla Fuzz. And just like last week, I don't know what I'm leaving you with. So uh, we'll just leave that up to John. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
for the Song of Simeon, which is known liturgically as the Nook Dimittis, which is Latin for now dismissed, I was asked to write a modern version of what has become a classical canticle hymn in the Lutheran Church. Uh, so here's what I've worked out, and we'll be sharing with us with the Congregation of Christ later this month. It's far from perfect, but not too bad for a dude with a laptop. Have a listen. Your name, the 
your word has been fulfilled. Let me go. My 